want to add my welcome to everybody here. Good seeing everyone. And I want to begin with a question, and the question is this. What does it take to please God? What do you think? So you know what some people would say? Some people would say the way we please God is by rituals. You pray certain prayers over and over and over again. Or you light candles, you light incense. It's through these ritualistic kind of things that we please God. Other people, they would say the way we please God is by following rules. You make a list of all the things you're supposed to do, make another list of all the things you're not supposed to do, and if you do the things on the do list, you don't do the things on the don't do list, then you're okay with God. Some other people, they would say it's through being religious. Uh, you observe all the holy days. Whenever the church doors are open, you are there. You become a very religious person, and that's how you get on God's A-list. But it's interesting, the Bible says, God's not interested in rituals, rules, or us being religious. The Bible says, in fact, it's impossible to please God unless we have one thing, one thing. And that's what I'm gonna talk about. That one thing is faith, faith. And this comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It's on the side screens, it's up on the mess, or it's on the message notes. Take a look at it as I, as I read this. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The foundation of a great life is faith. The catalyst of a great life is faith. And Jesus came that we would have a great life. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you would have life, you would have it to the full. God has meant for us to enjoy life, not merely endure this life. We're, God put a spirit of adventure inside of all of us. And I know sometimes it's, it's buried or it's blocked because of past hurts in life. But God created you, all of us, to make an impact on this world. God created us with a spirit of adventure to not merely exist, but to live this life to its fullest extent. That's the way we were created. In fact, Helen Keller said, life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. And there's a Dr. Glenn Williams from, the, from Maryland Psychological Research Center there. He wrote this, he said, human beings were not created to play it safe. If there's no risk of danger in this life, we will create it somehow. And we do, so today we have all kinds of things. We've got hang gliding, we'll create it. Roller coasters, skydiving, rock climbing, bungee cords. We have smart cars, crossroads parking lot. All these kinds of risky, dangerous behaviors we can engage in. Uh, it takes faith to engage in all of these things. God created us to have this kind of faith. You know, I've had the opportunity a couple times to drive a stock car. It was kind of a bucket list thing. And I remember the first time, guy was giving me some instruction before I did some practice laps. I had a helmet on, I climbed in, strapped me all in. I remember I pulled on the harness a little bit. I said, you sure this thing will hold me? I was joking, sorta. <laughs> he said, only one way to find out 
and he walked away. Then he said, don't hit the wall head on. John 10, 10, Jesus said he came that we would enjoy life. You would enjoy life in all its abundance. Live life to the fullest, overflowing. But let's be honest, does that describe your life? Does it? Do a little reflection. Does that describe your life? You know, living life to the fullest, overflowing in abundance. Many of us, we would admit, ah, oh, not always, not always. And you may even ask, how do I live that kind of life? How do I live that kind of life? How do I make the rest of my life the best of my life? And that's what this series is all about. I've got a one-word answer, a one-word answer to make the rest of your life the best of your life. It's to live by faith. Faith, that's the answer. Faith makes a difference between living and just existing. And I'm gonna talk about that. I wanna talk about three different aspects of faith. They all come from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a, a list of great women and men that God said, you people, you've done it. You've done it good. You live by faith. You put your faith in action. You did well, well. Take a look at Hebrews 11, verse one. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Here's the first thing about faith. You could write this down. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seeing in advance. It's being certain, as the writer of Hebrews says. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. Werner von Braun, the father of the space age, headed up the teams that built the Atlas and Saturn rockets that sent men to the moon, said this. He said, there's never been any significant achievement in human history that was not accompanied by faith. It all started when somebody believed it was possible ahead of time, before it ever happened. They believed it in advance before it ever happened. We often say things. We say, I'll believe it when I see it. God says, you got that backwards. Sometimes you gotta believe it in order to see it. You gotta believe it in order to see it. And that doesn't matter. That's like an architect planning a building. They gotta believe it before they see it. Or an artist creating a sculpture or a painting or an Olympic athlete trying to break a record, or a church trying to make a huge impact on the world. All those things require faith. We gotta believe it's possible in advance. Believe it's possible in advance, long before it's ever a reality. And that's what faith does. Faith turns dreams into reality. Faith will turn your dreams into reality. And let's, let's uh, be honest here. When we step out in faith and pursue some of those dreams in life, we pursue things that we've never done before, which, you, you know, in, in faith we're doing that. It means we're stepping into new territory. Whenever we step into new territory, whenever you try something new to pursue something that God is, uh, is leading you to do, to pursue, you're gonna experience some uncertainty. There's gonna be some fear involved when we step into new territory. 
We don't let that hold us back, not at all. You don't wait until you're not afraid before you step out in faith. I remember when I was a, a little kid, I couldn't wait, couldn't wait to grow up. I thought grown-ups, they were never afraid of anything. Never afraid of anything. That's what I thought when I was young. Then as I grew, I experienced this strange thing. Whenever I tried something new, first day of school, first time I asked a girl out, first job, doesn't matter what it was, first time I ever gave one of these talks, what do you think I experienced? Some fear, fear. You don't wait till you're not afraid before you step out in faith. Reminds me of an old story. Old story about the sea captain. Uh, sea captain, his name was uh, Captain Bravo. Actually, a manly man's man. Uh, reputation was he was never afraid of anything. And one day, uh, they were on the ship sailing the seven seas, and a lookout up in the mast noticed a pirate ship coming towards them. And he yelled down, Captain Bravo heard that, Captain Bravo. Uh, his men were frantic, but Captain Bravo stood up. He yelled for his red shirt to the first mate. First mate brought it down, put that red shirt on, led his men into victory over that uh, pirate ship. Sometime later, a uh, lookout yelled down, saw not one pirate ship coming towards him, but now two of them coming towards him. Again, Captain Bravo did the same thing. He yelled to the first mate, get my red shirt, and he brought it down put it on, and he led his men into battle, into victory over those two pirate ships, even though they were outnumbered. And as the story goes, later that day, they were sitting on the deck, and they were reflecting upon the victories of that day. And one of the men said, Captain Bravo, I've always wanted to ask you, when you lead us into victory, you always call for that red shirt, and you always put it on. Why, why is that? And Captain Bravo said, he said, it's because if I get wounded in battle, I don't want you men to see my blood. I want you to continue to fight on, unafraid. And his men just sat in silence. They marveled at this man's bravery. And about then, a lookout yelled down that he saw not one pirate ship coming towards him, not two coming towards him, but 10 pirate ships coming towards him. Captain Bravo stood up. He looked at that array of ships coming towards him. His men thought he was going to call for his red shirt, but instead he said, bring me my brown pants. <laughs> now, I know I might get it. I would have gotten an email on that had I still worked here. But I don't work here anymore. I have nothing to lose. At least, at least I didn't tell it at Christmas. It was close. It was close. You don't wait till you're not afraid before you step out in faith. Don't wait till you're not afraid to pursue that dream, whatever God has given you. Faith turns those dreams into reality. But we've got to believe it. Believe it before we see it. But faith is the second thing. It's even more than that. Here's number two. Faith is obeying obeying when I don't understand it. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. And the book of Hebrews gives us a number of examples of this. One was a guy named Noah. Look at Hebrews 11, verse seven. It says, it was by faith, by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. 
He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. You think about this. It had never happened before. Never happened, this flood, before. Noah had to have all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubts. I mean, this could not have made sense to him. It had never happened before. I mean, the Bible says before the flood, it had never rained. The earth was watered by a mist that came up from the ground, kind of like condensation. It was a different atmosphere at that time. That's maybe why people lived longer in that day. And also they didn't have processed sugar. That might have been, might have been something too. Uh, but anyway, it had never happened before. I can imagine God says to Noah, 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 I want you to build a big boat. And I want you to do that because there's gonna be this flood. Noah says, what's a flood? God says, oh, that's when it rains a lot. Noah says, what's rain? God says, oh, that's when I take a lake and I pour it down from the sky. I mean, would you have believed that? I mean, would you have believed that when you'd never seen something like that? But God reassured them. God says, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know I'll be with you. And in fact, I'll give you a sign of my presence and this promise I'm making to you that I'll always be with you. Anybody know what the sign was that God gave Noah? A rainbow, that's right. And Noah said, all right, God, I don't understand it, but I'm gonna do it, I'll obey you. Another example in Hebrews 11, a guy named Abraham. Hebrews 11, verse eight, look at this. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And Abraham was 75 years old then. He lived in modern day Iraq. I mean, just about the time he's ready to, you know, uh, go on social security, hang it up and retire. God says, no, I want you to go on the adventure of your life. And he's 75 years old. I don't want you to hang it up and retire. I want you to go into social insecurity. I'm gonna take you and turn you into the father of a brand new nation. We're gonna go to a brand new country. I'm sure Abraham had all kinds of doubts, all kinds of confusion about that, all kinds of questions. I'm sure he said, where are we going? God said, yeah, you never heard of the place. Abraham says, how long will it take to get there? Don't worry about that, God says. How will I know when I get there? God says, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. I mean, would you have done it? Would you have done that? But God reassured him. God reassured him. God said, I promise you, Abraham, you're not alone. I promise I'll be with you, and I'll give you a sign of my presence and my, uh, my promise to you that I'll always be with you. And you know what the sign was God gave Abraham? Anyone? Circumcision. That's right. And Abraham said, gee, Noah got a rainbow. Couldn't we do like a secret handshake or a, what about a decoder ring or something like that? No, God said, no, Abraham said, all right, God, I don't understand it, but I'll do it, I'll do it. And because Abraham obeyed what he didn't understand, it, he became the father of a nation called Israel. Some people want a guarantee of success before they do anything. Some people want a guarantee of success before they do anything. Even though they read 
a principle of God, a promise of God. They say, all right, God, if you guarantee this is gonna work out perfectly in my life, then I'll do it. I want a guarantee of success. God says, that doesn't take any faith. That doesn't require faith. I want you to trust me, even when you don't understand it. And every time God calls us to do something, every time God calls us to do something, it's kind of a test. It's a test. Who are we gonna believe? God calls us to do something? We gonna believe God or our gut? That's the question. Am I gonna follow what God says? Uh, Believing that God wants what's best for my life? Or do I think I know what's best for my life? And the Bible's full of commands. God says, do this or do that. You'll experience the best life. You will. And some of them, I'll admit, they seem unreasonable. Some of them seem wild, weird, many inconvenient. Some downright impossible. I'll give you an example. God says this. God says, when people hurt you, when people hurt you, when people misuse you, when people abuse you, forgive them. Forgive them. I mean, does that sound right? Does that sound right? No way. No way. What's a natural thing to do? Natural things to get even. Retaliate. God says, don't do that. Don't become a resentful person. Resentment will hurt you more in the long run than anybody else. You gotta learn to forgive them. That doesn't mean you trust them again. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say you become best friends again. But you learn to forgive. You forgive for your sake. You forgive for your sake so you can get on with your life. Because if you don't, that hurt, that bitterness, it'll build up inside of you. It'll ruin you. It'll poison you. It'll kill you. May not seem right, may not feel right, but it's the right thing when people hurt you and misuse you and abuse you to forgive them. But here's the point. If we live by God's principles, we live by God's principles, even when they seem absurd, we experience the best life. We experience God's blessing. On the other hand, if we ignore what God says, we go, I think I know what's best for my life. I think I know what's best for my life. I'm gonna follow what I think. Then we miss out. We just miss out on the life that God has planned for us. We miss out on the blessings of God in a way in our life. Does it mean God doesn't love us anymore? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means we miss out on the life God has planned for us. The life that God put us on earth to enjoy. So I'd ask you, identify some area in your life, some area in your life where God is challenging you to follow his way. But because of uncertainty or, or fear or lack of faith, you've been holding back. You've been saying, I, I think I'm gonna do what, I'm gonna do what's best for me. I would ask you to identify one area and take one step, just one step towards what God would want you to do. Something doable. Say you've been hiding in a relationship. You've been hiding in a relationship. Maybe, maybe your marriage, uh, with your family, maybe a long-term relationship. You've been hiding. You haven't been speaking the full truth. Decide today you're gonna share one truth that you haven't been sharing. 
You're going to have a conversation. You're going to share one truth. May not be the, the deepest truth. May not be, uh, uh, you know, the hardest truth. I'm not saying you share all the truth you haven't been sharing. But you take a step and you share one thing that you've been holding back on saying. And you watch God provide the power to do that and to have that conversation. Maybe you've been putting something off. Maybe you feel like God's been leading you to do something. Maybe to change something. Maybe it's about your work. I don't know. Maybe God's been calling you to do something, pursue some dream in life. You haven't been following it. You've been afraid to. Decide this week, you're gonna take one step towards pursuing that dream that you've had on your heart. What would that one step be? Maybe you uh, make a phone call. You set up an interview. Maybe you set up a time to just talk with somebody who's in that field. Maybe you send an email. You fill out an application. I don't know what it would be. You read a book. You watch a YouTube video. You take one step towards what that dream is instead of just thinking about it. Take one step towards it. Because God wants you to enjoy life, soar in life, not just endure this life. And you know, the Christian life's full of all kinds of ironies. It's full of ironies. We think one thing's gonna happen, something totally surprises us. Something else happens. I mean, it's like these weekend services. You know, many of us arrange our whole lives around these services. God says in Hebrews, don't neglect meeting together. You know, some of us arrange our lives around these things. You think about it, you come in. You come in, maybe you had a busy week. We then pour our hearts out to God often. You know, in worship and in messages, we feel God's spirit speaking to us. You think sometimes, after I've poured my heart out for 60, 70 minutes, I'd leave with an empty heart. But the irony is, we leave often, we're filled up. Nine out of 10 times people say that. They feel filled up, they're glad that they came. I mean, God transforms us in these services, and it's ironic. Some of you know when you serve, you know what happens when you serve, right? I mean, whether it's Project One, Project 12, Loveland Community Kitchen, uh, volunteering at Edmondson Elementary School, Laga Vista, wherever it would be, or you go on one of the projects, one of the trips that we've done here over the years. You know, I've done those kinds of things. You finish that, you finish project one, you're all tired, everybody's exhausted, we meet in here at night, or, or you, you went out of the country with a group, you're riding in the van back here, people are tired, some people have lost weight because of working in the heat. You know, you think people would be all tired and ornery, People aren't. They come together energized after those experiences. Energized, not tired. Energized, strangely. It's the irony of the kingdom of God following God's way. I mean, same with giving money to God's work that's making a difference in the world. I mean, you would think, I give money? I feel cheated, I feel impoverished. When I give generously to God's work where I know it's making a difference, I never feel like my net worth went down. I don't. I feel enriched being part of that kind of thing. I do. I say, I'm glad I'm using my money for this kind of thing. But this is the second thing faith is. Faith is being 
obeying when we don't understand it, but we just trust God, that God knows what's best. Here's the last one, number three. Faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. It's persisting when I don't feel like it. It's not giving up. I mean, this is the secret of success, right? You keep persisting no matter how you feel. That's the secret of success. What are successful people? Successful people are just ordinary people who keep doing what most people don't feel like doing. That's what makes them a success. I mean, how does a, a person become a professional athlete? They work out hour after hour. You ask them, do you feel like working out six, eight hours a day? They go, of course not every day. I ask our great musicians, I mean, do you feel like rehearsing hour upon hour so that you can perfect your craft? Of course not. I mean, how does a, how does a salesperson become a great salesperson? She continues to make calls and knock on doors when everybody else has gone home because they don't feel like it anymore. I mean, that's what just keeps making calls, knocking on doors. That's how she becomes a success. And a godly man, godly woman, becomes that way not by accident. A person develops a strong faith not by accident. It's because they choose to do the things that develop the spiritual life, even when they sometimes don't feel like it. So they get up and they spend time with God, reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, spending time in prayer, spending time in, in worship services like this. That's how we develop the spiritual life. Faith is being persistent. Faith is refusing to give up. And how do we develop persi persistence? Hebrews 11, 27 tells us. It's about Moses. It says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And Moses, many of you know the story, led an entire nation uh, uh, out of slavery after 400 years, led him into the, into the wilderness, uh, you know, through the Red Sea into Mount Sinai, wandering in the desert for 40 years. How do you keep that persistent? That verse tells us in the last half. Moses kept his eyes on God. That's what he did. When you keep your eyes on God, it keeps you persistent. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That's Psalm 16, verse 8. But I think we can all identify we can all identify with how tempting it is to quit. Tempting it is to just throw in the towel and give up and pursue the path of least resistance. That's my second nature. Maybe it's yours too. I mean, some of you are ready to give up on something. Came in here ready to give up on a, on a marriage or a relationship or ready to give up on school or it's just too hard. Give up on a career, a career, a dream, hope, whatever. For some of you, it's your health. It's your health situation. If you were honest, you'd say, I feel like I'm never getting better. Some of you, it's recovery. It's recovery. It's sobriety. You go, it's a battle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. I feel so weak. Some people, it's their finances. 
feel like your finances are hopeless. You go, I, I feel like I'm never gonna get out of debt. And you feel like giving up. Maybe it's your faith in Christ. Maybe it's your spiritual life. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe your faith started like a, like a rocket. Now your prayers, you go, they don't even get answered. My relationships are shallow. Church is boring. Reading the Bible, that's, that seems hollow. And you got this overwhelming temptation to just throw in the towel and quit. God brought you here to say, don't give up. God brought you here today to say, keep believing. Keep believing when you don't see it. Keep obeying when you don't, when you don't understand it. And keep persisting when you don't feel like it. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. You, you put your eyes on your problems, you get overwhelmed. Put your eyes on the world situation, you get discouraged. If you just look within, you get depressed. If we keep our eyes on God, we'll experience peace and rest. We will. We've got to remember what the old song says. Our God, our God's an awesome God. We have to remember God does supernatural things. We can pray. God hears those prayers. God answers those prayers. And a breakthrough in your life, a breakthrough, a change may be just around the corner. Don't underestimate the power of God. Don't give up. Remember the words of Jesus. Jesus used to say this. He'd say this to his followers. He'd say, with human beings, oh, with human beings, there are many things they seem impossible. There's limit after limit after limit in the human sphere of things. But, Jesus would say, Matthew 19, 26, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Let me ask you, was Jesus in denial or is that true? And you gotta remember, there's two phrases there. Jesus doesn't just say, all things are possible. He says, with God. With God, all things are possible. With a life surrendered to God. With a heart that is tender and open to God. In a prayer-filled life, with God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I do. I do. I hope you do too. My time's up, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask us to bow our heads and let's pray together. And I've got two prayers I want to pray. First, I want to pray for those of you that are, you're already a follower of Jesus Christ and he's part of your life and, and you're living for him to the best of your ability, trying to follow his his teachings, trying to imitate him to the best of your ability, serving him as best you know how. I want you to just pray with me the simple prayer in your heart. Dear Jesus, help me. Help me to see my life with fresh eyes of faith. Help me to see it with eyes of faith, not fear, not fear, faith. And Lord, stretch my faith and Renew my faith today so that I might be more of the person that you created me to be, to live that life that you've designed for me. And if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, this would be the prayer for you. And you pray this in your heart. Jesus, as much as I know how, 
I open my life, I open my heart to you today. And I need your forgiveness and your guidance. I ask the presence of your Holy Spirit would just fill me with with joy and with hope and restore me, God, to a relationship with you today. And I want to learn to trust you and follow you. And today I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.